0: Hey, so I know we didn't do a new show last week, and this week we're doing a Ben tribute episode that's going to be Patreon only. Uh, We're getting the whole band back together for that one, including Brett. So we're going to do that one, Patreon only, and uh, donate the proceeds to charity, so that should be a good one. Um, In the meantime, I thought I'd share this interview I did with Phil Rosenthal. Phil created Everybody Loves Raymond, and he has a new food show out on Netflix, Somebody Feed Phil. Uh, I do a lot of these phone interviews, and uh, they don't always make good audio, but I wanted to share this one because, I don't know, Phil is just such a great interview. Um, I can tell he's good because when I get the transcripts back, I barely have to edit anything. He just, he naturally speaks in uh, complete sentences, which is nice to listen to and to transcribe. He's great. Um, Anyway, uh, here's that one. Uh, We'll be back uh, this week with the Patreon episode, patreon.com slash frotcast. Enjoy.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everybody, take your seat. I got a presentation. You're gonna sit right here. We're gonna have a celebration. Everybody here, look at the spreadsheet. Everybody, uh, get are you ready up. for me. Gonna dance I am ready. Can you hear me okay?
0: I can, yeah, you sound great.
1: I sound great. Very nice. You were one of my favorite interviews uh, last year when we did it. And so that's why I reached out to you because uh, I liked you.
0: Hey, I appreciate it. And I, yeah, I think you're my favorite interview that I did last time also. So
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: <laughs> you're the only you interview subject here. I've ever had invite me to his house. So that was nice. Oh, <laughs> which I enjoyed, of course. Um,
1: well, you're welcome back.
0: Oh yeah, I'd love to come. Um, I was gonna ask. So my first question was gonna be like, how do you pitch a different food show? But then I read some interviews right. and I found out. I mean, it sounds like it wasn't so much a different show. You were trying to uh, get get your get
1: your your
0: blast show back on TV, basically.
1: It's pretty much that's the the show is almost identical. Uh, the difference is it's shot in 4K ultra high definition, mm-hmm. right? The budget is much bigger just to accommodate that. Uh, the crew is bigger and I get a theme song, yeah. <laughs> which I love. That was going to be my second question was the, about the theme song. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's uh but I think that's a, it's like a huge step up to me to have a theme. song. I just think it's wonderful. And I love those guys. I love, do you know them? Lake Street. Don? I don't know. What a great band. I would tell you just, As a human being, go listen to them or go go on YouTube and look at some of their stuff. Uh They're just fantastic. They're four kids who met at the New England Conservatory of Music and they had all these disparate musical backgrounds, but they shared a love for pop music and then realized, oh, we could actually this could be our job. Right. (laughs) So they became this amazing pop band with one of the great lead vocalists in the world, I think, Rachel Price. Mm hmm.
0: I mean, you have a you had a like a theory about the value of theme songs, didn't you?
1: I think it adds a lot. Right. I think it you know, it's 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 suddenly you think of the show, you think of the song. And so that's something that is in your head. And once that song is in your head, I keep thinking of Friends, you know, it's just like it brands the show with a feeling. Mm -hmm. And if the song is good, that's a good thing to have.
0: Yeah. And uh, and that wasn't they let you do that like did they suggest that or did you did you have to fight for that
1: i didn't have to fight but the the way netflix operates is they said maybe just put it on the first one because we like to encourage people to to binge which is totally foreign to me <laughs> right i mean i understand binging if it's a serialized show and oh my god who's going to get killed next week so the the spoiler alert for my show is I'm going to be fine next time. Don't worry. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'd rather you don't <laughs> right. have to binge. You don't have to don't hurt yourself is what I say to people. <laughs> you you every show takes months to make and and we put a lot of time and effort into it. I'd rather not it go by in a flurry of of you know six at a time. I'd rather you watch one and then take a little break and digest it like a great meal right and then go and then go to the next one it but seems- they they said if you have the theme song we're just telling you that we're going to put the skip intro button on it because they get through it faster I'm like why do you care if people get through things faster I don't understand
0: how yeah, it works. I don't either because that doesn't seem like a behavior that has anything to do with. It. I mean, as long as people are subscribing to get their money, like if they watch it more, they don't really get any upside from that. There's no more ads to
1: see, right? Isn't it like a? It's like a giant buffet, Netflix, mm-hmm. in in a in a great way that you can come and you can, you can just take your time and eat as much as you want once you pay that entry fee, right? Yeah, it's like uh The day we premiered, there were three other shows that were premiering that day. And so I was a little worried about it. And then a few days before that premiere, they surprise announced another show that was going to premiere that day. And it was David Letterman's Return to Television (laughs) with Barack Obama. And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? You're killing me. But it doesn't matter because, like I said, it's a buffet. So if somebody puts lobster out on the buffet for the same price, it gets more people to the buffet, and so they're going to eat your uh, potato skins. Right. If, if that's what you are. Yeah. Right. So it's okay.
0: Oh, I mean, you're not potato skins. Come on, don't sell yourself oh. short.
1: Well, I think you know people like potato skins. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. <laughs> but but uh, I you know that that's a that's a very high ticket item the the. David Letterman Return. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic show, by the way. Did you see it? I haven't seen it yet. I've been meaning to. Oh, it's so good. And the production is so good, and it's just a joy to see him back. Right. And and, and unconstrained by commercial TV. That's the plus of Netflix. There's no interruptions. There's no commercial. You if your show is forty-five minutes or an hour and ten minutes, they, you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You the content dictates the length of the show which is very very unusual for television right
0: well, all right. so you've done a great job selling david letterman's show now let's talk about let me talk about yours um yeah so i don't think i'm selling you out to say like you got you know you have a decent amount of money like you could theoretically do this show without filming it just as a fun thing for you to do like what what makes you want to share it with the world and make it a tv show
1: that's a great question uh You know, I've said this now a few times, so forgive me, but the genesis of it was when we did the Raymond episode in the year 2000. That's 18 years ago. We (laughs) did an episode where we went to Italy. Ray Romano did not want to do an overseas episode. He didn't want to travel overseas as a person. (laughs) He had never done it. He was a little afraid and a little, he actually said, I'm not really interested in other cultures. And that's when I actually got the idea to do the episode. I said, we got to do that episode where we send you to Italy as you and send you back as me. (laughs) Someone excited about traveling and Italy, especially in the food in Italy. And we did. It took a few years to get that, but we did it. It's one of our favorite episodes. And beyond that, I saw that what happened to Ray, the character that I wrote, happened to Ray, the person. I saw him get woke. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And that's when the light bulb went off for me. I want to do this for other people. I had this vision of a show that could be a fun take on a food and travel show. Because Bourdain already existed, I believe. Yeah. And, of course, he's the the godfather of these shows, and he's phenomenal. But here was my one-line pitch, which you may have heard before, too. This was it. It was I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain, if he was afraid of everything. Yeah. It's a good pitch. And that, and that kind of sealed it because people get it right away. It's 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 a Bourdain for the rest of us who aren't Bourdain. Yeah. Who are watching Bourdain going, he's amazing. I'm never doing that. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like I have my crowd. That I, I almost represent of, of people of people who are next to me on the couch sitting and watching. And I actually think the world would be a little better if we all traveled and experienced other people's experiences. And beyond that, it's the best thing you could do for yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't have to tell you. You you know if you travel. yeah. There's no more mind-expanding thing in life we can do. And so that's why. I feel like it also, by the way, selfishly, you ask why am I... Why do I want to do it beyond the the, the the social good I feel like we can do? It combines everything I love in life. Mm-hmm. I love making television shows. That's number one. So I love every aspect of show business, writing, directing, editing, producing, performing even. I was trained in theater mm-hmm. years ago. So it's in me. I get it. I like it. And then beyond that, the subject matter of the show is then everything else I love in life: travel, food, family, friends, laughs. Mm-hmm. It's all in there. So it's almost like the pinnacle of my stupid existence is to do this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's a it's it's a good pinnacle. Like every anyone would, anyone
1: would be happy. Um, well, I think I feel like we knock our heads against the wall. Going for jobs that maybe we don't even really want, but need. Yeah. And so, if I'm going to do that, why don't I do it for this thing I love?
0: Yeah. I um, you make a strong case for travel, and I and I'm totally with you. Like that's you know that's uh, I I try to go somewhere every year at least. But then you know every once in a while I like, I hear one of these like cable news baby boomer commentators uh, in my head criticizing millennials for. Spending their money on travel instead of saving for a house. Like, what do you? I mean, you know
1: what? They may be smarter than us, (laughs) as evidenced by the news, right? (laughs) So, so I'm thinking, rather than buying material things, uh, I'm not saying don't give up, don't save up for a house, but any extra money, rather than buying the newest technological crap, have yourself a life experience that carries with you. The rest of your life and mm-hmm. changes you in a fundamental way, makes you better. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. But, yeah. Um, so, what... so 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 it's great. I think that the, if the kids are getting it, and I get a lot of response from young people, I, nothing could make me happier. Yeah. Um, what was the
0: biggest surprise from your from your travels like this this season? I mean, food maybe food related specifically. <laughs>
1: You know, Lisbon is a very uh, underrated place, I think. I hadn't really thought of Lisbon as a top tier European destination and uh, I want to tell you that it is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got to see that episode, but... I'm, I'm like I,
0: 10 minutes into it. I saw, like, that yeah. I think that one and the New Orleans ones were the two that I hadn't finished yet.
1: So many people are telling me that they've booked trips to Lisbon from that show. And what you see in that episode is a guy, me, who didn't really know much about Lisbon getting it completely and, and showing you what I'm learning as I'm, as I'm there, as with every show. But for some reason, this one, it certainly seems more accessible, let's say to Americans than the far East. Mm -hmm. It's a little closer than the far East for, for people on the East coast, I think uh, at least. And, and it's just like, it's as good as paris it's as good as barcelona it's as good as florence you're i people are going uh, nuts over it
0: mm-hmm. um so when you're making the show like how do you keep your wife from wanting to murder you like do you get do you, how do you get away with doing so much uh, you know amazing travel without without her there
1: it was her idea <laughs> <laughs> she's like why don't you get out of the house once in a while No, she actually she actually comes along for the cities that she wants to come along. And she takes a little bit of vacation for herself. And uh, I think you saw her in. Let's see. Was it I'll Have What Phil's Having? You saw her a couple times. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we are lucky enough to keep going, you will see her again.
0: So I guess she has it even better than you because she can just be there without having to make TV.
1: Pick and choose. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think the the best and worst things
1: were that you ate this season? Uh, let's see. There's always something amazing in every city. There's always something in each place that the crew and I look at each other and go, let's come back here again off camera mm-hmm. to have this again. Right. And so like in Chiang Mai <clears> – <throat> In, in Thailand, there was a this bowl of cow soy. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I don't know if you saw that one, but it's, it's did, this yeah. bowl of a uh, bowl of coconut curry soup with fresh pasta in it with big pieces of chicken or beef with pickled mustard greens and onions and shallots and uh, cilantro and, and chilies. And then on top of everything is crispy noodles. So everything is working in that bowl. Mm -hmm. It's just the best bowl of anything you ever have. And it's a (laughs) dollar. It's a dollar. It's a dollar 50. If you want the chicken beef combo, he's got a deal going, right? (laughs) I'm telling people that the best things in life are free or (laughs) a dollar. So that was, that was one of the absolute best things I had, but I could pick something from each city that was, you know, almost worth the trip alone. Right. And, and then there's the bad stuff, which is bad to me. Everyone else has, you know, I went with Bill Esparza to uh, Mexico City mm-hmm. and I loved it. I loved it. I, I had, you know, we all have these preconceived notions of what it's going to be like. And is it safe? Is it not? It's perfectly safe. You go to neighborhoods that are, you know. 90 percent wonderful yeah and you avoid the neighborhoods that maybe aren't so wonderful just like here (laughs) yeah just like here there's parts of san francisco you don't go to at night right right
0: yeah i mean definitely not not with not without good shoes on that's for sure
1: yeah (laughs) so there's so it's the same and so uh but he took me to this place in what he told me was not a, a great neighborhood but it was perfectly fine when we were there during the day, and he gave me three tacos. He said, I'm not going to tell you what's in them. Bill is a taco expert. Mm-hmm. He's written books about it here in L.A. And, you know, this is not my favorite thing, to have surprises that involve meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I took a bite of the first thing, and it was, to me, not so good. Bill likes it, but to me, I needed water right away. It was a cow's udder taco you can't even get that in america
0: why well first of all what did it taste like and secondly like why why can't you get that in america
1: i don't know it's not i guess it's not sanctioned for consumption Uh uh-huh right uh what did it taste like i couldn't figure it out it was quite unpleasant to me and as soon as he told me that it was an udder the flavor the idea of the flavor came flooding into my head, uh-huh. and I didn't say this on camera because I didn't want to gross people out. Yeah. But it tasted like there was some old milk left in that udder. <laughs> oh man. Right? Yeah. So that's not something I look forward to having again.
0: Maybe what if they what if they do it and they soak it real well before beforehand next time?
1: Get it real cleaned out. Maybe. <laughs> sure. But how do you know? Right. And and by the way the very same taco uh, Bill ate and he liked it so mm-hmm. there's that kind of funky cheese thing going on I guess that they is a delicacy but you know everything depends on what you've been raised with what you're used to in addition to everybody's palate being different well you you liked the one that was lungs right? I did because you know if you didn't tell me it looked. By the way, that one looked the worst. It was black. It yeah. was like God knows what part of the animal this is. I had no idea. But I, but that was the third taco. I was already taking much smaller bites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that one, if you didn't tell me, it was just, just tasted like good roasted meat. Right. And there's some things like that, like the ants in the in the sauce uh-huh. at Poujol. Uh, I'm not. I'm not thrilled about eating bugs. Sure. I'm, not, I'm not like uh, Bourdain or Zimmern and or, or these guys who they want to try everything. I'm a little nervous. I'm. A, I am afraid mm-hmm. of bugs. Eating bugs. I don't. I don't get excited about it. And so here are these little black specks in this sauce, in this chipotle sauce on the baby corn, and the chefs I'm with tell me that it's ants and it's delicious, and. You know, I'm with them and I'm on television and I'm going to try it. That I have to admit that the camera makes you maybe do things you wouldn't do necessarily. Right. But when I think about it, I think if I was with those people off camera and they told me to try it, I, I think I would try it.
0: Yeah, you don't want to let because, them down.
1: Yes, and what's the worst that can happen? You mm-hmm. know, you don't like it. You don't have to eat anymore. Right. And by the way, it was great. It was great. It, had, it added a saltiness that wasn't quite salt. So I want. And I wondered. Again, if, I wondered about that yeah.
0: baby corn. Was it? Is it like the little? Is it like the Asian uh, thing that's in um, Big, where Tom Hanks is, gets the baby corn and he tries to eat it, like regular <laughs> corn, or is it actually it is, from the corn plant? Then it's smaller.
1: It's actually from the corn plant. I think the the Tom Hanks one is from the corn plant as well. It's just I think a little more processed in America. Uh huh. When we see baby corn in a in a. In a salad, Uh Uh, this looks, this was certainly prepared differently, even without the sauce. It was kind of roasted till being soft and uh, it was, it was delicious. It had, you know, baby corn when we eat it doesn't really taste like corn in America, Mm -hmm. but it did there. And by the way, so did those tortillas. You you saw the homemade tortilla segment?
0: Yeah, I was actually going to that was one of my questions. Like I I was getting infuriated yeah. at how easy they made tortilla making look. I mean, not not the grinding part because everybody knows that's hard, but like the actual combining the paste and the and and grilling yes. it. I've tried that so many times that it never comes out good and they were just she was just tossing these on there and they're coming out perfect and I don't I want to know what the secret is.
1: I think the secret is that, first of all, that, that overnight soaking and the, the soaking with the mineral, the stone, mm-hmm. right? That kind of limestone that, that adds not only uh, – it makes the water hot, which is mind-blowing. Yeah. I never saw that happen yeah, before that where you crazy. add a rock to something and it, the water gets hot. And, and, but as it breaks down, it adds this great uh, nutrition to it and so the Aztecs lived on this for years, years and years centuries and and uh, just tortillas had mm-hmm. nutrition, we don't even know what that's like, bread, like bread with nutrition in it, right? <laughs> Unless it's added after, we've lost something and what these guys at that place are doing are preserving these heirloom varieties of corn mm-hmm. and don't you know that with the nutrition comes the flavor right. which I didn't know until I think I read it in Dan Barber's book, that the more flavor a vegetable has, the more nutritious it is. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't even know. I'm, I'm not even talking about just grinding the corn, like the part where they're just combining masa and water and putting yeah. it on the grill, like that, and just pressing it. That's so hard. They do it like this try to, perfect You try it
1: by hand? Yeah. With the stone
0: no I it's haven't so tried hard. to grind it but I've tried to I've tried to combine the moss and water and like you know roll it yeah. out and and grill it and it always comes it comes out like too hard or it's not grilled enough or it's grilled too much I don't even know
1: you know maybe having centuries of built-in <laughs> experience helps
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm guessing um, yeah so that um
1: to so, so go different... that, that that tortilla that tortilla was like somebody just picked you a fresh ear of corn best one you ever had and just rolled it out into a flat thing and uh-huh. it, that's what it tasted like amazing that sounds anything would be good in that tortilla
0: yeah i want to i would like to try those someday <laughs> um what so going to a different episode i was kind of fascinated yeah. by uh, dr shakshuka from the israel episode like i kind of want to yeah kind of want to see a spin-off about that guy and he he yeah. seemed like he was Maybe like too fat to close his mouth, or he had like a like a breathing thing going on.
1: You know, in Scarface, the, he has a line that I never forgot, which is "Don't get high on your own supply." <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and then, so he was getting, he he like teared up a little bit. Like, I guess he'd gone he'd gone from going to jail to opening this restaurant.
1: He went to jail he went to jail for uh not using the store next door which was a shawarma place uh he and his father were using it to change money in addition to selling shawarma which turns out to be illegal and while he was serving his i think it was a short prison term maybe maybe less than a year i don't remember exactly but it was certainly wasn't put away for life uh, for that Mm -hmm. um he made shakshuka in the prison and the all the inmates started calling him the doctor Mm -hmm. dr shakshuka i want to visit the doctor (laughs) make me shakshuka Mm -hmm. even the guards i think loved it (laughs) and he he realized that this was his next venture when he got out and it became the most popular shakshuka place in israel I mean, if,
0: I would just say consider consider a spinoff with Dr. Shakshuka. That's all I'm saying.
1: I think we said it in the in the thing. We, we're like, this is a great superhero origin story. <laughs> yeah.
0: And he's just interesting to watch in general.
1: Absolutely. But, you know, I didn't know that when we talked to him, he would start to well up, that he would <laughs> get emotional. But right. why wouldn't you? Sure. I mean, you miss your father. You had a dark, very dark time in your life where you actually had to go to prison. But... No prison, no shakshuka.
0: <laughs> right. Um, so, t- uh, w- tell me what it's like to go to Israel as an American Jew. Like the way my Jewish friends talk about Israel, it's like it's like they simultaneously love it, and then part of them is compelled to break its balls a little. And that's there seems to be yes. a little, little of that in your show, also.
1: I think that's part of being Jewish, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, uh, is to question everything and to complain and to. I talk about that at the beginning. I talk about how. I had this experience. Oh, I'm passing a guy with a. I'm sorry, I'm walking it's right. outside. It's so beautiful here. Yeah, yeah. How is it up there?
0: Uh, it's nice today. Yeah. Well, it rained this morning, yeah.
1: and then now it's nice. Yeah. Uh, I think these leaf blowers should be banned. <laughs> yeah. It's actually.
0: actually it's speaking.
1: audio audio's not too terrible, so that's fine. Speaking. Speaking of uh, old Jew. <laughs> why do you need a leaf blower? <laughs> There's a new thing out now called a rake. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. The first, My first trip to Israel, I got almost kind of abducted by a fundraiser who had an agenda. And his agenda was to show me the best possible time in Israel, which meant what he considered the best possible time. And under the guise of everything is taken care of for you, I was a captor. And I was being led around to stuff that I did not care about or want to see and kept from the things I wanted to do. (laughs) So I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand the experience. I came back another time to help uh, the guy you see in the Dr. Shachuka episode. Those two guys, one was the executive producer, writer, and one was the actor in the Israeli version of Everybody Loves Raymond. And Mm. I came back to help out. Because they asked me and I thought okay here's a, a second chance for Israel and and I'll I'll go and so I did it and I have to say I liked it much better and then this time with the show my third time and I saw parts of Israel that I hadn't seen before like up north where it's gorgeous mm-hmm. it was really fantastic and what I wanted to do was not get political in any way because, Everybody does. Right. When they talk about Israel, it's all about politics and conflict. And I wanted to do a show that avoided it. And so it was very easy, actually, to find people getting along, to find that bakery where I just happened to walk by a bakery where an Arab gentleman behind the counter was wearing a T-shirt that says Jews and Arabs refuse to be enemies written in English Hebrew and Arabic, mm-hmm. and all everyone who worked there had the shirt, and they were Jews and Arabs in the middle of Tel Aviv. Yeah. So I loved that, and the bakery was phenomenal, <laughs> yeah. by the way. Yeah, <clears throat> and that town of Akko, this ancient port city, where the Jews and Arabs not only get along, they, they celebrate each other, they they're friends and neighbors. There's not even a visible police presence in the in the city. It's amazing, yeah, amazing. And so I, I, it was, you know, a great privilege to be able to show that side of things that you don't see. Right.
0: I mean, those shirts were like, on the one hand, you're like, well, this is a great, a great branding, tourism thing, but it was hard not to be, you know, touched by it at the same time.
1: They're all, they're all. It is a form of propaganda that I'm doing, <laughs> yeah, for yeah. for for a reason mm-hmm. each. Each of these episodes is is, a, is truly a love letter to each place, because the mission statement is, "I want you to travel, I want you to go there, so I'm showing you the best parts of a place."
0: Right. Um. Just a couple more, and I'll let you go. But uh, sure, I'm fine. Okay, cool. Um, do you ever get do you get food poisoning on these trips? Ever? It's like the, that's like the one thing. That I fear when I'm traveling, because you know yeah. I like to spend most of my time eating, and if you get
1: if you get food poisoning, like you kind of ruin your whole whole trip. Of course, I guess it can happen at any time, but to be honest, I did six of those I'll have with Phil's havings. So I did six of these now, nothing, never, not yeah. once, and I'm eating street food, and I'm eating. You know, we're not vetting every single thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, here's a personal way to vet something if you're in Bangkok and you, you're uh, where all the street food is in the, in, the, in the Chinatown there, which is a very famous and huge street food scene, which I recommend. It's one of the f- most fun things you can do in your life. Uh, hey, there's a little line here. That's mm-hmm. a very good sign. Right. If they were poisoning people, I think the line wouldn't be so long. Sure.
0: Do you have any precautions? Do you take any like pill,
1: pills with you just in case, or anything like that? I do. I yeah. do. I'm not crazy. I have medicine, but I've never used it. I haven't even used the 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 Imodium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Um, I, I get. I, I tell you, I get more sick here from <laughs> from the occasional thing. Sure. Really.
0: Sure, but if, if you get sick here, it doesn't matter because you're here all the time. If you get sick somewhere else, you're like, well, I got like three days. I only have seven days here. Right. If I'm sick for three of them, I'm going to miss like half of my food that I, that I would you know want to be I here for. I think that's
1: called uh, an occupational hazard. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, oh, I wanted to
0: ask about uh, getting not renewed by PBS. Like, uh, wh- yeah. why do you think that was? And I mean, they still have. They still have Rick Steves traveling around everywhere. What, are you are you like too are you t- are you too hot for PBS?
1: I honestly have no idea. You'd have to ask them. But I can tell you we won the James Beard Award for that show. Yeah. And and we were apparently their top-rated show of that year. I I mean, it was a great show. It's, you know, uh, I have to say that I love being on Netflix because when we handed in those six episodes, they pushed a button and we were on in every country on earth. Hmm. I mean, sometimes I wonder,
0: like, when you listen to NPR and you watch PBS, like, sometimes I wonder if they just have an idea of what their programming is supposed to be in their head, and then if something's like too broad or like too. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I don't want to say openly entertaining, but like that's kind of what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was when I first started watching the show. Like my first thought was I thought the episodes were like too long, and then I sort of found myself like I watched a little more, and then at a certain point I was like talking to the TV like while I was watching it alone. I mean I said. When you were eating churros in Mexico City, I was like, Holy, I said holy shit out loud, which is a really quirky thing (laughs) that I do every now and then. But so that was. Well, that's
1: why I, you know, they're, 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 I want to say, I want you to luxuriate in the show. I want it to be a little movie about that place. Sure. It's not just a food show. It's kind of a, it's kind of a movie. It's kind of a hybrid entertainment in that it's a food show, it's a travel show, and it's kind of. If you think about it, a sitcom. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, my thought when I was watching it was that it put me in the mindset that I'm in when I travel, where I sort of have to recalibrate, like my experience, my expectations, and how you know, like what, yes, like my expectations go out the window because I'm in a, a new place and I don't have those anymore, and someone else is taking control, and I'm sort of there to experience. Like, was that deliberate in some way to give the show, like, to make it feel like a, a like traveling does
1: uh yes absolutely i Mm -hmm. wanted to feel like you took a vacation to this place that Mm -hmm. you got the full as much as i could stuff into an hour and we we film uh, over 10 days right Mm -hmm. and and i really wanted uh i really wanted people to luxuriate in the place it's not just about the food
0: yeah Well, I think it worked. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Thanks a lot. All right, my friend. Great to talk to you. Yeah, you too.